If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 154 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on September 11th, 2022. Well, as you could probably imagine today... My friends, I am starting this episode out on a serious and somber note, of course, given the day that it is, September 11th. Just wanted to say a few words before we got into the actual content and the meat of today's show. But today is the 21st anniversary. Isn't that crazy? 21. 21st anniversary of the horrific nightmarish attacks, terrorist attacks on 9-11, September 11, 2001, where thousands of people, whether they be in the World Trade Center, on the planes, maybe the victims that were at the Pentagon too, or just wherever, thousands of people fell victim to quite possibly the most awful attack anyone has ever seen. Definitely the worst attack on American soil, that's for sure. And it's one of those things that no matter how many years pass by, no matter how many years just come and go, it just still, at least for me, it never gets easier, ever, to see those pictures or seeing the people reading out the names on TV in the earlier part of the day every year seeing those grieving families who may never find peace again, and even seeing those people who might have been in the area, might have survived, and had to witness that horror, and maybe live with some lingering health issues. I know some people in my personal life that do. I don't know anybody personally who perished in the attacks, but I know people who were there for it, and they suffer their effects health-wise. Everybody knows all the damage done to people's lungs from inhaling all of the smoke and from the debris and everything in the area. It was horrible. Just, it's, you can't even, there just aren't any words. There really aren't any words. But no matter how many years go by, it's just, it never really lessens. You know, in most situations in life when something awful happens, whether it be on a personal level or a public level like this, especially something as big as this, you know, sometimes, or most of the time, I should say, you know, time tends to do its job. The great expression, time heals wounds. Not really in this case. 9-11 is one of those things that the pain is just everlasting. And it should always be because of how horrible it was. And I know people like to make their jokes about it, and I I just, I never, 
I can never get on the same wavelength as that. I don't know how anybody could, to be honest. I mean, I feel like most people who do that just weren't really there to witness it or weren't alive or don't have even maybe as little bit of a memory in their mind of it. I mean, I was only four and a half going on five when it happened, so I have little to no memory of it. I was alive. I was a couple of months away from turning five years old, or a few months, I should say, January the next year. In 2002, I turned five. But So I was close to being five. The only memory that I really have of it is I came into the house, and I remember seeing my mom in the family room of our of our home, and she had the television on, and of course, the World Trade Center was on the television. The smoke was going across the sky. They had it live on the news on every channel, of course. And my mom was bawling her eyes out. And as she's listening to this right now, because I know she is, I know she remembers that. She was on the phone with a few people. I, of course, didn't understand it at my young age. I couldn't really come to terms with what was going on. <laughs> All I remember really is just the smoke on the TV. I just remember the, the view of Manhattan and the smoke going across the skyline. And when I remember it now, upon understanding it and coming to terms with what happened, it's horrifying. That's what I remember of it at the time. And it's just one of those things that doesn't really lessen. Especially for the people who had the misfortune of actually witnessing it, maybe even in person. Let alone on the TV or just hearing about it live. Actually being there. Or having lost someone or going through the effects of being there in person and inhaling all that stuff. Oh my, oh my god. It makes me like queasy to even think about, but... All there really is to say is the same thing that's said every year. is just God bless all of those who died that day. Those people who had to give their lives when they... Just innocent people going to work. It was a regular day. Everybody always talks about it. It was just a regular day in the middle of a week. Beautiful day outside. Typical, beautiful September weather day. Nobody could have imagined that was going to happen. Nobody. So just God bless all of those who died that day and their families that still have to endure the pain of their loss every day. And like I said, even those who may have survived and they deal with some issues health-wise, mentally, of course, mentally as well, to this day. And might for the rest of their lives. Even all this time later and going forward. I mean, it's just horrible. It really is. Never gets easier. Every time... The anniversary comes around every year, and it's pretty nuts. It actually just happens to fall on a Sunday this year on the day of Yapping Yankees, so I get to talk about it a bit on the show. I've still touched on it, even if it hasn't landed on the day in years past that I've done the show, but now that it actually lands on the day of September 11th this year, it's nice to be able to, not nice, but you understand what I mean. It's, it's good that I get to talk about it and give some thoughts and say some words. But of course, never forget, ever, ever forget. Anybody who talks about ending benefits or just, you know, not really doing the memorials or anything, it drives me nuts whenever I hear stuff like that. You can't, you can't forget. You should never forget. Ever. 21 years. 
That's insane. It really is. It's even more so for the people who were there to witness it and understand it. Not even say come to terms with it because most people still can't, obviously, but 21 years really goes by, doesn't it? I mean, I can't believe I'm going to be 26 in a few months. <laughs> That's all I know. So, why don't we actually move on to the show now? I think that's all there really is to say. And if I, uh, it's just, I don't want to bring the mood down too much. I think that's really all there is to say on the matter. It's, it's a horrible day. It just is. It's a horrible, horrible day, horrible memory. It's just horrible. There's only so much you could talk about it before you yourself get emotional or, <sighs> yeah, you get it. <laughs> All right, guys, we still got a show to do, and what a week it was. My God. On a personal level, my week was beyond crazy, but, I mean, you look at the Yankees, I mean, and the title of the episode really describes it all, really had a mix of everything this week, between injuries, whether it be good or bad news, you had some really good wins this past week, a couple of really bad losses this past week, just had a little bit of everything, a mix of everything. As you see in the title, it's really what happened. Really crazy week. I mean, the week started out, first three games against the Twins, and I'm thinking, oh, there's going to be a highly positive Yapping Yankees episode this Sunday if they keep on playing this way and they keep on showing signs of being back. It's going to be a really positive episode. A lot of positivity centered around it, but then they had a couple of really bad losses. The Thursday night game against the Twins and the Friday night game against the Rays, despite how great that was with Jeter Knight and everything, which we'll get to in a second. And these last couple of days against the Rays to end this three-game weekend set, it seems like the first half Yankees are back. (laughs) Especially offensively. We're seeing things done with the bats that we haven't seen in months. So again, like I said, just a mix of everything. Really bizarre. (laughs) kind of weird it's all over the place but why don't we just go down the list of what happened in Yankees news this past week like I said injury news whether it be good or bad wins and losses and roster moves and everything going on I mean who's going on paternity leave and (laughs) every every minute you look there's another roster move there's another injury update there's something to talk about with their gameplay it's eventful week as the season I believe it's safe to say now is in the home stretch which is hard to believe, but also not, because we know that despite baseball being the longest season of any sport, especially games-wise, it'll still go by as quick as any other, because that's just what it does. Whether it be while you're having fun, or whether you're watching a team stink up the joint for a while like we've seen the Yankees do the last month and a half or two. (laughs) So, the Yankees news started right on Tuesday. Where, after all the time of wondering what the deal is with Anthony Rizzo and his back, see him just taking some time off originally, then coming back and showing signs of waking up in Anaheim. Then they stopped playing him again because the back issues sort of came back and gave him more trouble. So, upon wondering if he's going to be back anytime soon on Tuesday, the Yankees announced that he's actually going to the injured list. Not because of the back pain, but because of spinal headaches caused by an epidural they gave him for his back problems. And they were able to do the IL stint retroactive to the third. So, technically, he's already 
he's almost eligible to come off already, but he might not come off exactly right at the 10 days because from what they've said recently, it seems like he might be ready towards maybe the tail end of the series next weekend against the Brewers. So that could be a possibility. So he's within a week or so based on what the Yankees are saying, but he got the epidural, gave him headaches, and then they were able to inject him with some blood in the epidural injection area, and it helped clear up that problem. And now the Yankees are saying that he's doing great. So he's picking up baseball activities right about now, today or either tomorrow or at some point in the next day or two. And he could be back towards the very end of the week or maybe by the time we talk next Sunday. Maybe that'll be his first game back or something. We'll see. So things have been very eventful for Anthony Rizzo lately. So like I said, a lot of good, a lot of bad. The spinal headaches came in from the epidural, but now this latest thing with the blood injection happened. He's feeling better. So it's just all over the place. (laughs) And on Wednesday, a flurry of roster moves happened. ton of things happened. They DFA'd Luke Bard, which I mentioned as a possibility at some point a couple of weeks back, so I wasn't surprised about that when it came to making some moves on the roster. He's since been outrighted to AAA, though, so either way, he's off the Major League roster. And they then placed Donaldson on paternity that same day, and they recalled Davey Garcia, which I definitely didn't expect to see that. I mean, he's still having another difficult season down in the minors this year, which is really disappointing, but they had recalled him. And they also brought back Andujar as the 29th man for the doubleheader on Wednesday after Tuesday's rainout. So they kept him up here too after the fact as well, so Andujar is still around. But Donaldson to the paternity list. Trevino went to the paternity list too a couple of days ago. Everybody's having a freaking kid. (laughs) And Ben Rortvit, by the way, should mention this, as a result of Trevino going to the paternity list, he's yet to have returned, but... As a result of him going on it, Ben Rortfit, who the Yankees actually, some people may have forgotten because we haven't friggin' even seen the guy yet, the Yankees actually got him in the Donaldson and IKF Minnesota trade. So he was injured for months on end, of course, and then he got another injury, had a setback, and he's been in the minor leagues for a little while now. He's on the major league roster if and when they need him while Trevino's out, but Higgy's just been playing lately. So... That's the deal for that. While Trevino is on the paternity list, Donaldson has since returned from it, of course, but Trevino is still there, and Ben Rortvet, although we really haven't gotten to see him yet, is in the majors for if and when the Yankees need him, and yeah, the Yankees did get him in that trade. It's definitely easy to forget about that because uh, of all the time that he missed and the fact that we haven't even still gotten to see him yet. (laughs) So Thursday came around. After the doubleheader on Wednesday, Thursday comes around, and what do I always say usually whenever the news comes out that the Yankees get somebody back from injury? It's usually, you get one, and you gotta give one. As some people might say, especially if you are an Avengers fan, you might even more so get this reference, it's always a soul for a soul. (laughs) Nestor Cortez came back on Thursday, like I said he would last week. At some point this coming week, well, he did return on Thursday, but not without a price. (laughs) DJ LeMayhew went to the injured list. I mean, it just never fails. And it was really bizarre because for a few days during the Minnesota series, a lot of people were asking Boone or Stanton and, and or DJ available off the bench. 
Could we see them in tonight's game in a pinch hitting capacity or anything of the sort? And the answer is always maybe, maybe, or DJ could be in the lineup tomorrow. Stanton could be in the lineup tomorrow. Stanton's been in the lineup again, as we know, the last couple of days. But after saying that, then DJ goes to the injured list. So it's just another part of the Yankees and their injury updates and their handling of of the injuries and everything, just continuing to make our heads spin because they tell you one thing one minute and they tell you another, another. And yeah, it may not, it may be because they may not have all the answers necessarily in that moment. I get it. Injuries are tricky sometimes, but this has been a deal for a long time with the Yankees. As all of us know, they're handling with the injuries and the news of said injuries. It's enough to make you crazy, especially a team with the resources they have. It's just bizarre. So when DJ went to the injured list, I was like, I thought it was questionable if he was even available. Now he's going right to the IL. After you just said we might even see him pinch hitting at some point. <laughs> I mean, listen, the more rest, the better. I'd rather I'd rather him rest up right now and have a week, a week and a half off and have it benefit him later so he can really contribute when it counts rather than playing through it and then just being bad for the rest of the way out. So I'm not going to complain in that sense. It's just that the the lack of transparency or the lack of knowledge with certain injuries and and the handling of certain injury updates just continuing to make our heads spin like this is just annoying <laughs> when it comes to the Yankees and their updates on injuries. But the soul for a soul thing never fails, man. Never fails. His toe just just won't seem to leave him alone. So, again, hopefully some of that rest will help out. It's said to be sprained, though. So, I mean, at least today they did have another update on him, injury-wise, just like they had another update on Rizzo after his blood injection. But they did say that he may be back for the next homestand in a week or a week and a half, DJ being. So, that's good. Some resting up, and uh, when he's eligible... If he's feeling good, then hopefully this rest will have done him good. His toe will be good to go. That's all you could hope for. Because when DJ's been playing through it, I mean, you're starting to see remnants of the 2021 DJ return. And 2021 DJ was very blah most of the time. I mean, before the injury to the toe came in, you were really starting to see 2019 and 2020 DJ return. I mean, DJ was fantastic, but then it, w- it became really clear that it must have still been bothering him, and hence, here we are. So hopefully this rest will have done him some good, but these guys are banged the hell up, man. They really are. A lot of injuries right now. But at least those two might not be alone, Rizzo and DJ, potentially coming back sometime soon, because a few other guys could be on their ways back. Reinforcements. Despite how good the team looks the last couple of days, may not need reinforcements, but hey, a lot of these names would be good to get him back. But as of the last day or two, a lot of injury updates coming across. Harrison Bader and two others, Miguel Castro and Aroldis Chapman, they commenced their rehab assignments in Double A today. The one that people are most happy about to hear doing that, of course, is Harrison Bader because, I mean... Not only do people, you know, understandably so, mostly including myself, because I've been very vocal about it, never want to see Aaron Hicks in another Yankee game ever again, (laughs) and Bader would be his main replacement, but I believe a lot of Yankee fans, including myself, are very curious to see what, in fact, they got back in that Montgomery trade. Finally, after all the time that's passed, they want to see what Bader's got. 
You know you're going to get some pretty good defense out there. And if he can contribute with the bat, hey, even better. I think it's pretty difficult to do much worse than Aaron Hicks did. So in that case, I'm, I'm looking forward to him. He's definitely got a good personality about him. So he could definitely provide a good spark, bring some good defense out there in center field, provide some extra cushioning in center field, and not have to play Aaron Hicks anymore. If Benintendi's able to make it back in time, you could have an outfield of him, Benintendi, and Judge. I mean, it could work out very well. Who knows? So I think that's the one that many people are looking really forward to, Harrison Bader returning. Miguel Castro on the roll. Does Chapman coming back? And listen, I don't really consider them to be reinforcements, but (laughs) at least Chapman had improved prior, at the very least, even though I'm still not a fan of his personally, but the point of the matter is they've got guys returning. Again, Bader making progress. DJ and Rizzo sound like they'll be back in a week or so, give or take, right around the corner. Severino sounds close. Britton sounds even closer. He's been rehabbing for some time now. Just a bunch of guys. So... Mostly good injury news. Mostly good. Despite some bad things happening this past week and, you know, Rizzo not knowing what's going to happen with him with the headaches at first and DJ going to the IL after thinking that he might even appear in a game soon and, you know, just things happening here and there. But some good news mostly on the injury forefront. And as I said, Donaldson also officially returned from paternity. You know how I must feel about that. I think I've made my feelings about him more than clear. (laughs) If you want to just listen back to last week's episode, let alone all the weeks prior to that. (laughs) But I was really, I got to be honest with you, I was really enjoying third base IKF. I mean, what did I say last week? What did I say last week when I was going on my Donaldson tirade? What I was saying was that if you're so insistent on playing Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, why don't you bench Donaldson, which, I mean, it kind of worked out when he went on paternity, he was gone. So, and you play IKF at third where he won a gold glove. And like I said, it, was, it seemed to be a common misconception after the Minnesota trade when it was said that he was going to play shortstop. Everybody's saying, he won a gold glove, he won a gold glove. Not at shortstop, people. Do your research. I said this then and I'm saying it now. He won it at third base. And he went back to third base. The Yankees were smart enough to do that with Donaldson being gone. They took mine and a lot of other people's advice. I wasn't the only one saying this. Put him at third base and he looked like a different player. Made a couple of really nice plays down there. To be expected, the guy won a gold glove there even though he hasn't played consistently there in a couple of years. But if that's the position you're comfortable at, then he's going to do well. And he did do well. And when he was there in the Minnesota series, look at all the stuff he even did with the bat. He was a different player, it looked like. Wow, who would have known? A guy going back to a position he's comfortable with, all of a sudden playing better? No freaking way. Sounds fake to me. And yeah, it was only a couple games worth of a sample size, but I mean, that just goes with almost anybody, you feel. You move him back to a position they're comfortable in, I mean, mainly good things are going to happen. Shortstop isn't an easy position for someone who doesn't have that as their primary position, man. I mean, I would think a lot of Yankee fans learned that after seeing Glaber last year. And it really is weird in Glaber's case because he came up as a shortstop. I'm aware of that, but I don't know. It just didn't translate when they put him there last year. Didn't translate. And now it's someone you know who won a gold glove at third base being put at shortstop. Hadn't done a really good job there in IKF, and now he goes to third base, and yeah, although it's only a couple of games, looked like a different player. 
Listen, hopefully he can continue to contribute. You guys know that no matter how I feel about a player personally, if they're on my team, I'm going to root for them. That's just how I work. I'm a Yankee fan, you know? I'm not going to root for anybody to fail because their failure is the team's failure, and I don't want the team to fail. But I don't know. I, I felt pretty comfortable with him being down at third base, and when Donaldson came back, I'm like, great. Now they're going to have to move IKF back to short because they, they don't have the cojones to put... Donaldson on the bench and leave IKF at third base and put Peraza at shortstop, Glaber at second base, and, you know, while, while DJ and Rizzo are both out, they've been playing Marwin there a lot because I guess they don't really have much of any other choice. But, I don't know. I've just had it with Donaldson. I don't care that he hit a home run yesterday. I, I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm happy for the team's sake that he was able to join the hits parade of yesterday and another hit parade today. But I don't... Even what he did in his first at-bat yesterday annoyed me. How he tried to pimp another ball as if just less than a week prior to that he didn't learn his lesson when he didn't just bust it out of the box and he got embarrassed at second base. I guess he still didn't learn his lesson because he pimped a ball yesterday and didn't even make it over the short porch wall. You're pimping a ball that doesn't even make it over the short porch wall? Yeah, it hit the top of the wall, but it bounced back in. That's a double. But you're going to pimp a ball that way? Look that sure that it's gone? And it barely hits the top of the short porch wall? I don't know, man. The guy just annoys me. I'm sorry if it seems like I attack him a lot personally or I nitpick with him, but the guy just, there's not a likable quality about him in my opinion. When he's at the plate... I will root for his success for the team's sake because he plays for the Yankees and I want the Yankees to succeed. And if he's going to be a part in that, I'm going to root for it, of course. But on a personal level, I I just can't like the guy. I can't. There's not a likable quality about him. This is not going to turn into another Donaldson tirade. I went on that last week already. I'm not going to be a broken record, but I'm just emphasizing here. I just can't bring myself to like the guy. And I really enjoyed seeing IKF play some third base again. Especially after just suggesting that last Sunday. I did. And seeing Peraza at shortstop some more, and he did some really cool things offensively as well. I just had fun with it. So it's whatever. But there is one good thing that came from Donaldson being reactivated off paternity, and that's Ronald Guzman being DFA'd. So that's a big positive. (laughs) Because that guy, I don't know what his deal was, but I have almost never seen, never seen, a worse performance out of any single player at the plate in my entire life than what I witnessed in game one of that doubleheader from Ronald Guzman. I mean, what the hell, man? Four strikeouts, a double play on a ball where there was a force made at home and then throw back to first. He was barely even trotting down the line. I mean, that's the easiest DFA of all time. The guy was putting no effort into anything. You get a a chance with the Yankees despite your past feelings, your potential past feelings on them, and you go out there and do that? Nah, get the hell out of here. (laughs) So I'm happy about that. If that's what it took for them to officially take Guzman off the roster, even though he didn't see any time after that game again, thank God. But I mean, I'd rather see Marwin play first first base than see something like that happen, and that's just a disgrace. The hell out of here with that. I mean, really. Other than that, the only really other main thing to talk about as far as the Yankees is Jeter Night. And I gotta be honest with you, I have since watched it because I 
was able to look at it on YouTube and just look back at a bunch of clips of it. So I did see it. But Friday night, and this goes for the game as well, I didn't watch anything live. Because Friday night, and those of you who know this about me already know what happened, especially if you follow me on social media. I talk about it a lot. Cobra Kai Season 5 came out on Friday. (laughs) So for the first time in 2022, I missed a game. Crucify me. I even had one person on Twitter say, you know, I'm a real fan. I don't miss any games. Well, good for you, dude. But I'm pretty sure that no matter what the reason may be, that even the biggest of fans miss one game per year at least. Not that I even care what you think of me as a fan, but it's just pretty funny because you got to love the gatekeepers. You just got to love them. The people who deem who's a real fan and who's a fake fan. How about you just stay in your lane? That seems like a good idea. But I watched Cobra Kai Season 5 on Friday, and it was really, it was a really good decision based on how the game went, <laughs> from what I can hear, and from what I was able to see and look at the recap and the highlights with. But I also missed Jeter Night. So I, was, I had to watch that after the fact, and it was about as amazing as I thought it would be. All the stuff with the plaque and his speech, his appreciation towards the fans, which he always does, and even the little tease he gave, which I didn't miss... <laughs> I don't know what's going to come of it in the future. None of us do for sure, of course. But, you know, I love to hear that from my favorite ever. Jeter's my favorite ever. If you know me well, then you know that. Him giving that little tease to the fans. I know you guys haven't seen too much of me in recent years, especially and particularly towards the time when he was owning the Marlins. But, he teased. Might be seeing more of him in the future. So, you know, I love to hear that. But it was just honestly a beautiful speech. His thanking the fans and just talking about how he just really, no matter where he is, he feels like here is when he feels like he's at home. Yankee Stadium, in front of the fans, in this environment, in New York. Seeing his daughters, hearing his daughters talk about how they just can't wait to eat when they get there. It was just, it was great. I just love seeing him and his family and everybody happy and, you know, his parents and and everybody who comes back player-wise, of course, the rest of the core four and everybody close to him in his life. It's just awesome. I mean, you got to know that any Jeter night is going to be great. You just have to know it. So I watched it after the fact and I watched the game highlights after the fact as well, but I didn't see any of it live on Friday night. And yes, for those wondering if you haven't seen it yet, yes, Cobra Kai Season 5 was absolutely freaking insane. And you should watch it as soon as possible if you are a fellow Cobra Kai slash Karate Kid fan. But this is a Yankee show, so let's keep talking about the Yankees. But from what I was able to see after the fact with Jeter Knight, it was as fantastic as I thought it would be. And it's always great seeing Jeter, man. And he's right, we haven't seen too much of him in recent years, and I hope that changes because I love the guy so freaking much. (laughs) I really do. I mean, Jeter's just the man. He really is. Loved his documentary to death. Loved Jeter Knight to death. Anytime he's out there, I just, I just get hyped. So Jeter Knight, two thumbs up from me, as every appearance involving Jeter is. <laughs> so that's freaking awesome. There is also another quick thing I wanted to mention regarding Major League Baseball news in general, considering this affects the entire league, the Yankees included, so I think it's important to mention. But... Major League Baseball did some voting this past week. And they were on some of the changes that 
that we've spoken a lot about, especially when they were going over the CBA months and months ago, when it seemed like the season could be in jeopardy. Unfortunately, they were able to reach an agreement to where they could just make up the first week of games that they missed later on. So we do still have a full season, of course, as we know. And they still had to vote on a couple of things, though, that they were discussing. Those couple of things being a pitch clock. And the other thing that we've talked about quite a bit already on the show, and that's banning the shift for next season and however many seasons to follow until they might revisit the topic at some point. But it is official after the voting that they did vote to implement a 15-second pitch clock with the bases empty and 20 seconds for when there are runners on base. And they did implement the banning of the shift as well which pro-hitting people and pro-average people and all that stuff, you know, they'll be very happy because, you know, base hits into the right field hole now will actually be base hits. But, and that goes the same for right-handed hitters on the left side. Same thing maybe if you hit a ball to the outfield, if there's a four-man outfield. But the specific rules that they did implement is that two fielders have to be on each side of the second base bag and both feet have to be on the dirt. Not on the grass. Got to be on the dirt. So the shift, or at least the dramatic ones that we know of and see so frequently, they're as good as dead. And I understand both sides of the aisle, honestly. I understand people who are not happy about this because they just see it as strategy and they they basically say, oh, if they want to not have the shift on them anymore, they should just learn to hit the other way and go against it, lay a bunt down the line and get a hit, force them to take it off of them because it's just a matter of strategy and if they can't get around it, then that's their problem. I hear that. But I also hear the other side saying that the shift has just gotten out of hand and completely out of control and now that it's gone, you may see an increase in some offense. I hear that side too. I hear both of them. So it's kind of complicated as to where I lie on this. Because I'm... I I understand the people saying that they're not happy about it because they feel like they're making the people who can't adjust win. And if they're true professionals, then they should just adjust. And I do agree with that. <laughs> like I said, I hear both sides. But the other side of me is also eager to see people actually get hits in normal places again. <laughs> Like a ball through the right field hole, a ball through the left field hole for right-handed hitters. Actually be hits now. And not be in the teeth of the shift. So if you're asking for my opinion on that, I kind of hear both sides. Now that I think about it. Like, I was really just full on upon originally thinking about it. I was just really happy to just see regular base hits restored again. But then people just talking about how... They feel like, you know, the strategy is going away just because people can't adjust and they're not happy about that. I kind of hear that too. And upon thinking about it, I'm just, I'm kind of in the middle on this, to be honest. But I'd be lying to you straight up if I, if I said that I am not excited to see hits through the right field hole and hits through the left field hole and, and no more four man outfields. I'd be lying to you if I told you that I wasn't excited for that again. I would, because I do think the shift has gotten a bit out of hand. There have been plenty of times where the shift has been implemented on plenty of hitters who hit the opposite way all the time, and yet they still have the shift put on them for what reason? I don't know. And it's bitten plenty of people in the ass a lot of the time. So I do think the shift has gotten out of hand. I do. 
So I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of in the middle on it. I really am. And as far as the pitch clock, I mean, I'm definitely happy about that when it comes to pitchers who take an, an eternity to pitch. <laughs> that I'm definitely about because, I don't know. I, I definitely understand pitchers needing to like find their center and get ready for the next pitch, especially in a high-tension situation. Really just intense moment in a game. I understand that, but there are times where it's just too much. And that is the kind of thing, especially when done so frequently, that's when it slows down the game. And I'm a proponent of not caring how long the game goes because I love baseball. But I'm just taking it from the perspective of people who want it sped up significantly, which I am of the crowd that thinks if you speed up a baseball game by 15 minutes, you're not going to increase your crowd by having a 15-minute difference. It's just not going to make a difference. But if you do so want to speed up the game, this is a good method for it, especially for the pitchers who take an eternity to throw the ball sometimes. So that's how I feel about that pretty much. But I don't really care to have the game that sped up. There are times where I'm definitely sitting on, you know, on my couch and watching it, watching a game and watching a pitcher take just forever to throw the ball. I mean, I'm, I'm saying I'm going to have to go shave again before this guy throws another pitch. And my beard does not grow in that fast, fun fact. So in that, in that sense, I'm really happy to see that. I'll be sitting on the couch saying, dude, today, Junior. But with this happening now, can't really happen anymore. 15 seconds with no runners on, 20 with runners on. So I'm in favor for that because if you do want to speed up the game at all, then those pitchers not being able to do that pitch after pitch after pitch and inevitably adding more time onto a game, that will improve things. So I guess I'm in favor for that. But the other side of me that doesn't give a crap about how, how long a baseball game goes it's whatever. I don't really care. I mean, I don't. I don't care how long a baseball game goes. Personally, I'm that diehard of a fan. I've watched twenty inning games before, straight through. I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. So that's really all the news. I mean, really all the news. And we're almost forty minutes in here. <laughs> Lots to talk about from this past week. But yeah, especially on the news front, just a mix of everything. Mostly good injury news. Of course, Jeter Knight, Major League Baseball voting on those rules. And they also voted for larger bases, by the way, which I guess is fine. But that's really that as far as news, guys. A lot to go through. And as far as games, like I said before, with a little bit of a mix of everything. Yeah, it's a bit of a mix of everything with that, too. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Good wins against the Twins. Wins against the Twins. I just realized that. (laughs) Thursday. Bad loss. Irritating loss. A screw job in a few ways. We'll get to that. Friday, which I did not watch. Had to tune into later on and see replays and highlights. All that crap. But not a pleasant game that night either. Mainly thanks to Aaron Hicks, who we have not seen since, thank God. And then the last two days. Making you ask yourself, who are you people? (laughs) In a good way, though. Because the offense is back. I don't want to say we'll stay back for the rest of the week going forward. Who knows what's going to happen? But, my God, the last two days. So why don't we get to recapping it all? Why don't we just get right to it? 
Let's jump into that Yapping Yankees time machine and go back to last Sunday. And we'll catch right up to today. And at the point I am at today, by the way, I started recording, well, basically 40 minutes in now, give or take. I did start recording around a quarter to six, a little late today. So the game is actually still going on, which it shouldn't be because the original start time for today's game was around 140. But as you guys know, the game got off to a late start because it is a really crappy day here in New York today. The rain is on and off constantly, so they kind of had to get this game in, though, because while the Yankees have off tomorrow and could make up a game, the Rays don't have off. And the Rays have a tough remaining schedule like we've also touched on, and they don't really have any mutual off days going forward, I believe. So you kind of got to get this game in today with the limited amount of time there is left on the schedule and the lack of alignment for the two teams being able to make up a game. So they kind of had to play today. Fortunately for the vast majority of the game since they started, the rain is held off. That's good. But the game is still going on. Right now it's 626. What inning is it? Let me see. It's actually the ninth, I think. Yeah, let me check on my phone just to be sure. I believe it's the ninth inning. Yeah, Clay Holmes is in the game. The last one. The Yankees have had to bullpen it today. Major bullpen game. Because Herman started on short rest. And he ended up being just an opener. And only went one inning. So since then, the Yankees have had Litke come in. He got two outs. Weissert got an out. Wandy Peralta pitched two and a third. The longest pitcher today. Trevino, two-thirds of an inning. Marinaccio, a, a one inning of one-run ball, I should say. Schmidt, two scoreless innings. And now Holmes is in the ninth. So much-needed off day tomorrow. He definitely blew through a chunk of that bullpen. So we shall see. Both the Yankees with having Luis Severino around the corner. That's definitely a good thing. Oh, it's raining now. It's actually coming down really good. Let's just get this game over with. It's 10 to freaking 3 anyway. <laughs> All the exciting stuff happened before I started recording. Anyways, let's get to recapping. Yapping Yankees time machine back to last Sunday. Let's do it. All right, the Yankees just won. Let's go. Let's go. 10 to 4 is the final. That is a big win. Wow. I'm going to start a little backwards just because the game just ended for today. At the time I'm watching, the time I'm recording right now, it just ended. What a win. Wow. So they win the weekend series against the Rays this weekend, put them down five and a half games in the division as of where we stand now, which is huge going forward because of the difficult schedule the Rays have for the rest of the season. The Yankee schedule isn't as hard as theirs, so you put that into perspective. The Blue Jays aren't out of it yet. They're only a half a game behind the Rays as of this very second at the time I'm taping in the mid-6 o'clock hour. But, so the Blue Jays are still a concern, but right now, you gotta feel good if you're the Yankees, especially if you take care of business with the few games you have with the Blue Jays left. You just put yourselves in a really good position, especially how the offense looked the last couple of days. They've looked better than they have in... Months. Months. Especially when you talk about them doing this two consecutive days. I mean, really encouraging stuff. Feeling really good right now. If you're the Yankees from a divisional perspective. Definitely better than than we were all feeling last week. That's for sure. What a win. Wow. It's a big win today, people. You cannot... You can't make too little of that just now. 
really, really big stuff. And now that they also won the series, by the way, in case the division does happen to end in a tie, this did seal the fact that the Yankees did win the season series against the Rays. So in the event of a tiebreaker, the Yankees will still win the division in the event of a tiebreaker with the Rays. So that makes it even bigger. It's just a big win. Wow. Awesome. Feeling really, really good right now. If you're a Yankee fan, if you're the Yankees themselves, you got to be feeling real good about it. Big series win and a great way to go into an off day as well. Because tomorrow they have off. So really nice job by the Yankees. But let us go back to the beginning of the week. Last week, as we were talking about, I don't remember exactly where I finished with taping last week, to be, to be honest, but the Yankees did end up holding on in that 2-1 to one game in Tampa. So they were, af- they were able to salvage a game after all, after the way the first two games went. That This is when people were feeling really down about the division chances. Fortunately, they salvaged that last game. They were able to hold on by the skin of their teeth in that last inning. Clay Holmes again giving us all heart attacks. <laughs> Not a fun ninth inning. And to be honest, he kind of got out of it because of a very generous call by the umpire, which is to not come as much of a surprise given the incompetence of umpires as we know. But nonetheless, it gave the Yankees the win. And they were able to come home on somewhat of a high note off of a win, at least in that sense, and start their four-game series against the Twins. Now, the Twins, of course, we all know the effect that they have on the Yankees and the fact of how much they boost them sometimes because... The Twins just can't beat the Yankees. (laughs) They can't. This is a foregone conclusion for a very long time now. This is no recent development. This is not something that happens every now and again. This has happened time and time again, every single meeting, for a very long time now. (laughs) And the first game of the series got off to a good start. Tyone on Monday... Pitched five innings of two-run ball. Not necessarily a great start, but not a bad one either. Did allow six hits, struck out three again, only the two runs. After him out of the bullpen, Weissert pitched an inning and a third scoreless. Wandy Peralta, an inning and two-thirds scoreless. And Clay Holmes would finish off the game in the ninth for his 19th save of the year. And actually a very comfortable inning with two strikeouts in it as well. And the Yankee offense, they did their thing. And in ways that you didn't expect them to, especially at the beginning, bottom of the first, Josh Donaldson RBI single made it one to nothing. That's definitely not something uh, any of us really come to expect. (laughs) Marwin Gonzalez solo shot. Who expects that? Marwin can't hit. Solo shot here, though, two nothing. Top of the fifth, these were the only two runs that Tyone gave up, even though he did get into his share of trouble here and there. But this hit. And of course, he has to do this against the Yankees after not being able to hit with us for the better part of the last few years. But Gary Sanchez, new Minnesota twin as of the Donaldson and IKF trade, of course, along with Gio Urshela, who was very tough to see because I love Gio. I miss him a great deal. And whenever he made a great play on the field or anything, it just made me miss him that much more. But anyways, Gary Sanchez here hit a ball to another galaxy. (laughs) It was like 473 feet past the left field bleachers, people. Tied the game at two, a two-run shot. Fortunately, though, the Yankees 
would answer right back with a two-run shot of their own in the form of none other than the man, the myth, the legend, one of our two beloved behemoths himself, Aaron James Judge, having a season for the ages, still, with his 54th home run of the year, making it 4-2, and then IKF, with a solo shot of his own, only the second home run of the year for him, Another thing nobody expected, so a great deal of the Yankee runs with the exception of Judge on this night coming in ways that nobody expected. That made it 5-2 to two and the Yankees would win by that score. Really good start to the series. Tuesday, like I mentioned before really briefly though, it would be a rainout. Not the greatest of weather in New York here this past week, which can't really complain because it's been a very good summer season weather-wise here in New York, but nonetheless. Game 1 on Wednesday of the doubleheader. Like I also mentioned before, a quick little couple of things I mentioned. Ronald Guzman, who was just called up to help things at first base while Rizzo and DJ are out. I mean, just had a completely disgraceful game, as I mentioned earlier. And this game was just torture, man. (laughs) It really was torture. Unnecessary torture. Domingo Herman started the game. And yeah, this was recent. That's why he was on short rest today. He was only on three days rest Thursday, Friday, yesterday. So... He went six innings, allowed three runs on seven hits, and struck out six. Wasn't a brutal start, but it just got off to a rougher start more than anything, especially right away in the top of the first. Jose Miranda hit a two-run shot off him, and then the top of the fourth, Celestino hit an RBI single to make it three to nothing, so most of it happened earlier on in the first inning and then one dent in the fourth, but other than that, Herman pitched okay, I guess. Bottom of the fourth, the Yankee offense started to wake up a bit. Aaron Judge solo shot his 55th and his most recent one. So he has not hit a home run since Wednesday. Little something to keep an eye on, even though he's still been playing great games. He's still at, he's still had some really solid games the last few days, but hasn't hit a home run since this. So his 55th home run made it 3-1, to one, a solo shot. Then Glaber Torres, who has shown signs here and there of waking up the last few days, and I'm all for it. You know, I, I basically... Run out of patience for Glaber, but hey, if he's going to go on a run here at the end where it's most important, then hey, he could win a lot of people back, especially in a time where a lot of people are missing. He could win a lot of people back. I even put that on Twitter. I did. I put it on Twitter a few days ago. I said this is a time period where he could really be winning a lot of people back, but he just seems to just be coasting along and keep on heading down. But here he did something last few days. He's kept it up even today. Hit two home runs today. So, some signs, who knows, that would be huge, of course, because there's no denying what Glaber could mean to this team, it's just a fact of him not doing it (laughs) for the vast majority of the last three years, so a lot of people are out of patience. But here, big home run again, back in game one on Wednesday, tied the game, a two-run shot is 19th of the year. And then, no scoring, a lot of blown chances, just over and over again, happening for inning after inning after inning. Just the offense just not doing their thing. Fast forward to the 12th inning. Game went to extras. Celestino again, RBI single in the top of the 12th. And when he got that hit, it was off Marinaccio, but I mean, it was the fake runner that scored. So, I mean, what what are you going to do? The pitching had done a great job. I mean, Wandy Peralta, Pitched a scoreless inning. Luizaga, scoreless inning. Holmes, a scoreless inning. Marinaccio only allowed the ghost runner to score. And then Weissert would end up being the final pitcher in the game, earning the win before the Yankees would finally, 
finally win the game. Especially after blowing that bases loaded and nobody out chance with it starting with Ronald Guzman grounding into that huge double play and not running down the line at first. Barely even jogging. Really irritating stuff. But then the Yankees came back in the bottom of the 12th. And this was the first example of third base IKF. You know, really good game for him. He, he went two for five, drove in that crucial final run during the game, or the game-tying run, I should say. And one of two huge runs at the end. IKF, RBI single to start it off in the bottom of the 12th, made it four to four. And then, just as it looked like they were going to blow it again and not deliver that last punch to the Twins and finally put an end to the freaking game, Oswaldo Cabrera gets a pitch he can handle, shoots it through to the left side for a hit, Driving home IKF, Yankees win 5-4 to four in a torturous game where they really should have won prior to this, but it really seemed like they were just getting ready to lose in horrible, embarrassing fashion to the Twins of all teams, but they managed to pull it off and finally win in really nice comeback fashion, ultimately in the bottom of the 12th. Game 2 was thankfully much more comfortable than that. <laughs> And I think we all needed that after the beyond aggravating, anxiety-inducing Game (laughs) 1. Garrett Cole started the second game, and my God, did he have a start for himself. I mean, he would actually allow the Twins to get on the board first in the top of the third on a Correa solo shot, but that was all he allowed. Other than that, six and two-thirds, five hits, only walked two guys, the one run only, and he struck out 14 people. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that Cole found himself again in this start. So, he's been a bit inconsistent, especially letting certain innings get out of control. It looked like that inning where he allowed the solo shot to Correa could have gotten out of control afterwards, but he found his bearings, got through it, and continued to just go on a strikeout barrage of the Twins. Again, a total of 14. And after that, Litke would pitch the last two and a third innings scoreless. Very nice job by him. Like I said... The last few months, Litke has definitely bounced back from his early season struggles. He's been a big piece out in that bullpen. Proved it again in this game. So the pitching did a very nice job, only allowing the one run. And other than that, after that, the Yankees scored seven unanswered runs. The first four of them in a way that, again, you would never imagine. But another example of third base IKF, like I mentioned before. A grand slam by IKF. Anybody who can tell me right now that they predicted this, I mean, you deserve to win lottery (laughs) because there's just about as good of a chance of doing that than seeing that happen. Pleasant surprise. Don't get me wrong. But who could have predicted IKF would have gotten a grand slam there? Who? Absolute insanity. Driving home Glaber, driving home Oswaldo, driving home Marin Gonzalez. Unbelievable stuff. And then in the bottom of the eighth, another way of scoring that, oh yeah, all of us drew up. Aaron Hicks, three-run, bases-clearing, double at the bases loaded, made it 7-1, and that was the final. So, that was really all that Aaron Hicks has done recently, as we know. At least in a good way. Thursday came around, and unfortunately, of the four games against the Twins, this was the one that the Yankees lost. And it sucks, because they actually got on the board first on a Miguel Andujar two-run shot, his first of the season. Very nice to see Miggy's bat finally coming to life and doing something big. But unfortunately, the Yankee offense would really just 
they would really just go to sleep after that. And Nestor Cortez, who started the game, this was his returning start. He only went four innings because of that, definitely watching the amount of pitches he throws and the remaining innings that he throws because, again, he's already way over the limit of what he did in the past at any point in his career. But he didn't have a bad start at all, in fact, until the fifth inning when he started to come apart a little bit. He was perfect. Hadn't allowed a base runner. So he was really, he was looking really good. I mean, he hadn't allowed anything at all. Like I said, first four innings, perfect. And in the fifth inning, he started to show some signs of fatigue and started to fall apart a little bit. But other than that, he was really good. And he was given that 2 nothing lead by Miguel Andujar fairly early. But yeah, then he started to come apart a little bit. Fifth inning started with a Geo hit and he threw a wild pitch. Gary Sanchez hit a double, made it 2-1. to one. Then Clark Schmidt came in after him. But then Schmidt, unfortunately, on an RBI single by Nick Gordon, allowed that run to score, and it was charged to Nestor, hence the two runs on his final line. So that tied the game at two at the time. And then in the top of the eighth, Greg Weissert comes in out of the bullpen, relieving Wandy Peralta, and leaves a slider right down the plate, right where you don't want to leave a slider to Carlos Correa. <laughs> right where you don't want to leave it, and Correa hit it into the left field stands. Now, this inning isn't as simple as that because there was a very controversial call on the field where Wandy Peralta, prior to this, there was a slow hit ball, and the throw, Wandy Peralta was covering first, and he tried to handle the throw, bobbled it a little bit, and when it seemed he might have been clutching the ball in his possession, not in a bare hand or his glove necessarily, but he seemed to have possession. I mean, I guess the rules say it wasn't definitive possession enough, but whatever. He clearly stepped on the bag prior to the runner, and even after review, they still called the runner safe. And everybody was baffled by it at first because we all thought that it was because it was them saying that he made it to the bag first, which clearly on replay was abundantly clear that it was not true. Peralta made it there first, but they're claiming that he didn't have full possession. That's what they're claiming, that he did not have full possession of the ball. So really controversial there. And then after that happened, after the Twins were given that extra out was when Correa went deep. So it was just a mess of an inning, a mess. Bottom of the eighth, though, the Yankees were able to scrape one more run onto the board, though, on a bases-loaded walk by Andujar. Another very unusual thing because Andujar usually doesn't walk. But that made it 4-3. to three. And in the bottom of the ninth, another really painful inning for the Yankees. Oswald Peraza managed to make it on base with a single of his own. Aaron Hicks actually hit a double, made it second and third with one out. And then Fulmer, who was on the mound at the time, Michael Fulmer, obviously intentionally walked Aaron Judge. Much to our displeasure, of course. <laughs> then Glaber Torres was up, and this was a real screw job right here, man. This really was. It was 2-0, and Fulmer threw two pitches that were out of the strike zone factually. Should have been a bases-loaded walk to tie the game at four, but it wasn't. Two of them were called strikes when they were not strikes. And then Glaber swung at a slider for strike three, and it was a strike. The slider was a strike, so he, he swung at a strike. He didn't expand the zone at all, but those two other calls before, that was a backbreaker because after that, it was two outs, and then IKF grounded out. So yeah, the Yankees blew the chance, but they should have tied the game as well. I don't like very 
often necessarily to blame the officiating entirely on losing a game, and the Yankees certainly had their chances. That is definitely a big reason why they lost as well. I am not omitting that at all, but the umpires need to take a great deal of blame for this one because they... The replay with Wandy's controversial, but especially the Glaber at bat at the end. I mean, the, the umpires were a disaster to both sides, as they often are because they can't do their jobs properly at all, but... That ninth inning call was really, that was a screw job, man. That was awful. Awful. Gotta be better than that. (laughs) You just have to be better than that. So unfortunately, it resulted in the Yankees dropping that game, but they did still take the series three out of four. And on Friday, they welcomed the Rays into town, and this was the game that I did not even watch, just, you know, full transparency. But while I was watching Cobra Kai, he had Jeter Knight, (laughs) and then this game was started by... Frankie Montas again, and his final line does not look all that great, obviously, five and two-thirds, nine hits, and four runs, all of them earned, I'm not sure they should all be earned, and four strikeouts, and that's a disastrous final line, but honestly, uh, if not for Aaron Hicks, (laughs) then Montas would not have allowed four runs, I mean, that much is just abundantly clear, the legitimate one he, he allowed was in the top of the first Randy Rosarena, RBI double, made it one to nothing. Top of the fourth, Wander Franco with a two-run double to make it three to nothing. And that was really when it happened with Aaron Hicks. That was when the drop happened. He he ran down the line to try to make the catch, just straight up dropped it in left field, right by the line. He thought it was a foul ball, even though he was in fair territory while the drop happened, and I would think a professional outfielder would know as much, but he didn't. And the ball drops, and thinking that it was foul, he just stands there for a couple of seconds while the Rays are running the bases, you know, remembering that they're playing baseball, unlike the left fielder, and then he just picks it up and then just throws it in, and more runs are allowed to score. And after that, Things are made even worse when a Rosarena hits another double, drives in another, and makes it four to nothing. So now things just feel completely deflated at this point. The only things the Yankees were able to do, and it was in the bottom of the seventh, Aaron Judge on an RBI single drove home Peraza to make it four to one, and then in the bottom of the ninth, Higashioka hit a solo shot, his eighth home run in the year, made it four to two, and that was the final score. But the main topic of this game was with a lot of people was just talking about Aaron Hicks and how much of a continued disaster that he has been and keeps on being. And he was taken out and there was a question as to whether that was a punishment or just or whatever it was or if it was just taking him out in general. And Boone basically said it wasn't a punishment. From what Aaron Hicks said, it seems like it very well could have been. Either way, I don't care. It was the right move. You got to take him out after that. You have to. Between how much of a disaster he's been in general for countless months now, and just having that happen, he's just not paying attention at this point. On top of his crap gameplay, he's just not even paying attention. He drops the ball in fair territory, And then after that, what does he do? He just nonchalantly walks around just being pissed off about it, all while the Rays are playing baseball, and he's just not even aware of what's going on. 
inexcusable. I'm done ranting and almost popping a blood vessel over Aaron Hicks. We already know the deal over him. And I guess I'm a little emotionally detached because I didn't actually watch it live. But, I mean, it's I don't want this guy in another Yankee game anymore. I'm done. Especially when Bader's back. We've mentioned in weeks past already, once Bader comes back, what should happen. But especially when Bader's back, there's no need anymore, guys. It's over. The Aaron Hicks experiment has got to be done. There is no upside. I don't care if he gets hit every once in a while. Everybody's bound to run into one on accident every now and again. I don't care. It's got to be done. And this... It really felt like, especially because the Yankees don't usually do this, especially because he was removed from the game, that really felt like a final straw sort of a scenario. And for the sake of the team, for the sake of Aaron Hicks, to be honest with you as well, and for the sake of the fans, just for the sake of everything involving the Yankees, I hope that that was the final straw. It's got to be. Well, fortunately, on the contrary to that, though, that being such an irritating loss. I mean, it really just, there was a deflated sort of an atmosphere about that game, especially after what Aaron, what happened with Aaron Hicks. Everybody was just like, I, I just, they're going to lose this game. And with how flat the offense was, it just didn't feel good at all. And not a good way to open up the series, especially with all the division controversy and everything. But like I said before, the last two days, especially from an offensive standpoint. This looks like a different team these last two days, or a team that we might remember from the first half when they were just scoring nonstop, unbeatable. And that's what it seems like the team has returned to these last couple of days, both today and yesterday. And they didn't waste any time in both instances, today and yesterday. All of the damage was done towards the beginning and in a barrage, in just an ambush of runs. I mean, yesterday's game, it happened in the first inning before the Rays were even able to really get an out. It seemed like there was no putting a stop to it. And it came off of Corey Kluber in the first game, no less, who has had great success against the Yankees this year so far, but not in this game. <laughs> Starting the game was Jameson Tyone, and he pitched a very, very nice game. Seven and a third, only three runs allowed, and two of them came from when Lou Trevino was on the mound, but they were base runners on base who were Tyone's responsibility, so take that into account. Seven and a third, six hits, and eight strikeouts. One of Tyone's better starts in a long time. Trevino came in and got two outs after that, allowed those two more runs to score, but it's fine. Loisaga, scoreless ninth, and the offense, like I said, from the get-go, just relentless. Seven consecutive singles. But the scoring-wise, bottom of the first, Glaber Torres, RBI single. Oswaldo Cabrera, two-run single. Miguel Andujar, RBI single, 4 nothing at this point. And then after that, Kyle Higashioka grounded into a force out and drove home Oswaldo Cabrera, made it five to nothing. Aaron Judge, RBI single, made it six to nothing. All on singles. Every run in that inning, except for Higashioka's force out. Incredible. Just incredible. That was really just when you were asking yourself, who is this team? <laughs> Based off the way they've been playing, especially offensively the last month or two. I mean, it's just unbelievable. 
All those hits in a row. And then even after that single streak ended, Aaron Judge RBI single made it 6-0. Bottom of the second, even Donaldson, who pimped a ball that didn't even make it over the short porch wall in the first inning. He was one of the seven consecutive singles. He actually hit a solo shot in the bottom of the second. His 13th home run of the year made it 7-0. Top of the third, the Rays got their one run except for those next two in the eighth inning. Wander Franco got an RBI single, made it 7-1. The Yankees scored even more after that. Two-run single, IKF made it 9-1. And later on in the game, bottom of the eighth, Stanton would go deep with his 25th home run of the year. His first one since coming off the injured list. His first extra base hit. Since coming off the injured list. That made it 10-3 to at the time. And that was the score the Yankees would win by. So really encouraging game. And then another really encouraging one today. Two consecutive days in a row. Two consecutive days with 10 runs. And in today's game, it was even more impressive. All of it came at the be- especially at the beginning. In the first inning, bottom of the first, Glaber Torres three-run shot. Another home run for him, his 20th on the year, an opposite field shot when Glaber goes the other way. We've mentioned this many times, and that is usually a sign that his swing is in a good place, so we like that a lot. Three-run Oppo Taco made it 3-0. Top of the second, and by then, like I said, Herman opened up the game, had a scoreless first inning, inning, so the bullpen was already in by now, and Licky gave up this run, but an RBI single to Jose Siri. Bottom of the second, though, this is when the Yankees really took off even more. Aaron Judge, sack fly. Stanton, an opposite field shot. Good for a three-run homer. His second home run in as many days. And a lot of Stanton's harsh critics, which for the first time since the 2020 regular season that have come out of the woodwork lately, with his timing being off since coming off the I.L., If this is him finally showing signs of heating up, especially after his 26th home run here, a big one, big three-run shot, you better be getting ready to go back into that woodwork, I'll tell you right now, because this could very well be the start of one of Stanton's tears, and if it is, there are no words to describe what that means for the Yankees. (laughs) Just incredible. And right after that, going back-to-back, Glaber Torres with his 21st home run of the year, his second home run of the day, Another home run. This one to left field, though. It's fine. Take him however you get him, though. Does not matter. Just great to see out of him. 21st home run of the year. Solo shot made it 8-1. to And then later on in the inning, a two-run shot. His first career major league home run by Oswaldo Cabrera made it 10-1. to Congrats to the kid. Awesome to see. Hit it into the right field. Bleachers. Great job. I love it. You guys know that I have loved Oswaldo Cabrera since he's come up here. Great to finally see him go deep for the first time in the majors. And a hell of a shot. Just wow. (laughs) It's awesome. And the Rays were able to get three more runs later in the game. Top of the sixth, Christian Bethencourt, RBI double. And Taylor Walls, RBI single. G-Man Choi, RBI single in the top of the ninth off of Clay Holmes. But that would make it 10-4. to They were way too far behind. Yankees won 10-4. to Take the series. Yesterday, they already officially took the season series. But still nonetheless, taking the series officially now, making it even better situationally for the division. Just a big deal, and with how the offense looked the last couple of days, you have to imagine the Yankees are feeling better about themselves right now, especially heading into an off day. Just a really good series, a huge series for the Yankees. Really, just in every way.
So that was this past week, guys. Like I said, a little bit of everything. You had your good wins, you had your bad losses, and especially the good wins coming most recently. Today and yesterday, really good stuff. Just an offensive ambush, like I said. The two days against Tampa, a really good team to do that against. Just really making a statement. Gotta love it. As far as what's ahead for this coming week, before we speak again next Sunday... Tomorrow, like I said, the Yankees do have an off day, and it was really good they were able to get this game in today because they wouldn't have been able to use that off day tomorrow to play the Rays anyway because the Rays don't have off tomorrow. As a matter of fact, they play the Blue Jays, and I believe they play each other five times this week. So that's that's pretty crazy. They play on Monday, Tuesday, and, and Tuesday of the doubleheader, and then Wednesday they play again, and then Thursday they play again. So it would ordinarily be a four-game series, but one of those days has a doubleheader. So five games in the next four days, those two teams. And they're really doing battle for second place because like I even mentioned before, they're only a half a game apart. So for both of those teams, I mean, right now, this is this is the week, <laughs> right? So coming up for the Yankees, actually a bit of an easy week ahead of them. They actually have a couple of days off, needed days off. The team can definitely afford to rest, especially the bullpen after a day like today where he just gutted through most of it. But the only games this week coming up, Tuesday and Wednesday, both games at Fenway Park. So Tuesday's game will be at 7.10 p.m. Eastern. Nick Pavetta's been announced for the Red Sox, nobody for the Yankees as of yet. And Wednesday, the 14th, will also be at 7.10 p.m. Eastern at Fenway. Thursday, they have off again the Yankees. Friday, they head to Milwaukee to continue their short road trip for a weekend series next weekend. Starting on Friday, the game will be at 8.10 p.m. Eastern. Saturday will be at 7.10 Eastern. And Sunday, when we speak again next Sunday, September 18th, the game will be at 2.10 Eastern. And I'm not sure when I'll be taping that day, but obviously at some point I will. It'll probably be during the game. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how I feel. We'll see where I'm at, what I'm doing that day. Like today, I started recording really late because I actually just did a workout with my girlfriend before this. We did a nice core workout, got those abs going, right? And I watched some of the game and ate some lunch. And then I came in here around 5.30 and started the recording. So we'll see where I'm at by next Sunday. But in any event, nonetheless, that is what is coming up. What's up ahead for the next week of Yankees baseball as the season just gets closer and closer to ending, my friends. And yes, it sucks. It really does. But it uh, should be interesting to see what the Yankees do in Boston on Tuesday and Wednesday. Hopefully they smack them around a whole lot. That's the goal, right? <laughs> All right. We have hit the end of the show, the last segment of the show, as always. And that segment is the social media segment. Which for this week... I got another poll for you. Two consecutive weeks with a poll? It's been a while since I did that. It's been really a while since I did many polls at all, let alone two consecutive weeks of it. So let's get right to that poll. And quite frankly, again, keep in mind that this was posted yesterday before today's final rubber game matchup of this three-game set against the Rays. But this week's poll question was, if the Yankees win the rubber game matchup against the Rays on Sunday, would you feel the Yankees will certainly hold on to their division lead? Now, as far as what I think, I said, yeah. With the awareness, and a lot of people, I did actually manage to read a lot of the comments before the recording this week, so I know a lot of people happen to say this. 
A lot of people happen to mention, you know, don't lose touch of the Blue Jays either because if they smack the Rays around a lot these next four days, five games in the next four days, then that could really change things up and the Yankees still have a couple of more head-to-head matchups with the Blue Jays and that could, uh, that could prove to be a little risky as well and you are absolutely correct. But assuming the Rays win at least a couple of them and given the good position the Yankees have put themselves in, especially after today's game, but even just... Yesterday, when thinking about if they won today's game, and now my opinion remains the same, I think they do hold on to the division. Might have been a little bit of a different answer last week because, you know, circumstances were different last week. And the way things were looking, things were looking real shaky. But now winning this game, especially in the commanding fashion they did, especially if they just continue to take care of their own business, because the Yankees keep winning games. Everybody else could win as many games as they want. They're not going to gain any ground. That's what a lot of people experienced in the first half when the Yankees couldn't lose. <laughs> and everybody was saying, oh, we're, the Blue Jays have actually been doing really good. The, the Rays were doing good, and teams were going through good periods of time. But it didn't mean anything because the Yankees were still winning constantly. They couldn't gain ground on them. So as long as you take care of your own business, then the, team, the other teams can do whatever they want. But I still just think after a weekend like this, especially seeing after the fact today, The Yankees have put themselves in quite the position and in commanding fashion with the way they did it offensively the last two days. Big statements. So my answer was yes, pretty much. And it would seem to me, looking at these results here, these poll results after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of votes, that the vast majority of voters agreed because 78% of the voting crowd said yes, the Yankees will certainly hold on to their division lead if they win the rubber game matchup, which now, of course, we know they did. And only 22%, the remaining 22%, said no, they will not, or it is maybe just not a guarantee. Not necessarily saying, oh, they're definitely going to blow it, but just saying that it's not a guarantee. All right, so why don't we get to some of those replies I'll read to maybe about the first 10 I see I'll read, maybe. First up, we got at Paulie Bows, and they say, The division is not the goal. Much more important to reestablish dominance. The World Series trophy is the goal. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but this division's just, this question's just about the division because, I mean, the division's the first step here. It's the one in front of you right now. You know, one step at a time. <laughs> win the division, win the first round, win the second round, win the World Series. That's what you do. So, not saying the World Series is less important than the division. Just saying the division is the first thing right in front of you. You take that and then you keep going. One step at a time. At Robert Perubsky says, yes, because Tampa plays Houston six times. Well, yeah, like I said, Tampa's got a hard schedule going forward. And I mentioned that too. And uh, Houston being six of them, yeah, that's uh, that ain't no gift. <laughs> that's for sure. So... Yeah, Tampa's difficult schedule going forward definitely plays a role. I've talked about it quite a bit. Rob at Laker 477 says, No, unfortunately, they've been playing way too inconsistently for me to be certain of anything right now. Well, that's fair. As far as the inconsistency comment, though, I mean, I would actually say that the last month and a half or two, they've actually been pretty consistent. Consistently bad. (laughs) But... Yeah, I, I definitely understand, though, because of the way they have been playing, whether it be consistently bad or just inconsistent in general, they have not been good, you know, especially prior to this past week. This past week was filled with a lot of good wins, so, but I would definitely respect that, just, you know, just saying that I don't really, can't really believe in them yet. They got to show me more, so 
Rebecca at Peace Now for Life says, I say yes. I've thought all along that the Yankees will hold on to their division lead. If they win the rubber game tomorrow, then they're in a better place because of the tough schedule the Rays have from here on out. Plus, the Yankees will get healthier. Yes, good point. We mentioned in the beginning of the show how reinforcements are on the way. So that is definitely a good point. And of course, they did go on to win the rubber game matchup, as we know. But like I said, this was posted yesterday. So give the replies a little bit of slack with that. But I respect the optimism, Rebecca, especially with now seeing for certain that they won, but even still just thinking the same thing yesterday, just thinking if they won. Yeah, they have really put themselves in a good place, especially with two consecutive days of great offensive performances, the the difficulty of the Rays schedule, like we've mentioned, and plus, yeah, reinforcements coming around, the Yankees getting healthier. It's good stuff. Up next, we have Tom at Baseball Tzar, and he says, I think they'll win the division either way. Even with the injuries, we are better than the Rays. Yeah, I can agree with that. I, I can I can definitely agree with that. I, especially the last two days, I think they, they've expressed that. I just think last weekend, just a lot of things just didn't go their way in that prior series and the trop. I mean, they've always had a tr- tough time in the trop. It's a house of horrors for them, along with places like Oakland. You know, they just, they just never really had good fortune in places like that in the last bunch of years. But yeah, I, I do agree with that. The Rays are always a scrappy, tough team, but I do believe that they're better than them truly this year, and even with these injuries, and they proved that this weekend at least. So, up next we have at Harjate1NY, and they say the most significant part of the game is mental, and they all have to come together, and it definitely can be done. Yeah, they came together in a lot of ways this weekend, for sure. Spencer at Musician DMD says, To echo my remarks from last week, I just feel pure intuition that the Yankees will persevere and secure the division title. For me, a 40-plus year fan, the 96 team whittled away a 12-game lead to two, putting their lead over Baltimore in peril. They looked as vulnerable as this team. I do expect the September run to get very gnarly. In spite of the Rays' competitive schedule, I think they will do very well and stay close behind. If there's a team up for the challenge, it's them. But on October 5th, the Yankees will be situated atop the American League East. Yeah, you make good points about 96, Spencer. That is definitely true. And they were looking iffy, but then, of course, we know the run that they would go on and what that would ultimately lead to in 96. So, yeah, I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. I I definitely am. And listen, you've stuck with that the whole time. I didn't say that they wouldn't last week, but it was just I was a lot more shaky on it. I definitely was. Alrighty, next, Tina at Mountain Gal 456 says, One can only hope, Mike, and I keep staying positive and hoping, so yes. I respect the positivity. Definitely do. At Laura underscore Iceman says, Yes, if they can hold off the Rays, then the division is a lock for the Yankees, in my opinion. Fair enough, Laura. Well, I guess it is in this case, then. At RMNY1976 says, If they win tomorrow in the rubber game, then yes, I feel good. Five and a half up with 19 to play. Yankees have the tiebreaker, and Toronto and Tampa play each other nine times, which will negate either from making up much ground if they win an even amount of games. Nine or ten more wins should do it. 93 to 94 should win the division and the bye. Yeah, because they have the the bye if they win the division and stay second best in the AL, which winning the division would do so. So yeah, with 19, yeah, I agree. 19 to play and five and a half up right now. Like I've said, the Yankees have put themselves in a very good position, made a big statement with the way they won the last two games. 
and having the tiebreaker, like I also mentioned. Yeah, it's just all good stuff. It was a huge weekend for the Yankees in that sense. It really was. At DVellante2267 says, yes, sir. Okay, yes, sir. I agree. <laughs> At Christian underscore NYYST says, yes, with a gif of Daniel Bryan going, yes, yes, yes. All right, fair enough. Well, I should say Brian Danielson now. <laughs> All right, next we have at our Veterano. Veterano says, yes, a five and a half game lead with just over 20 left and so many key pieces still to come back would make it almost impossible to lose the division. I feel we've survived through the worst of things and I expect a solid finish to the season with some momentum going into the playoffs. Yeah, that's the hope, especially if you see guys like Stanton heating up again and you have everybody coming back if they don't take too much time to shake the rust off if they've been out a while. Yeah, it should only mean good things for this team for sure. I'm inclined to agree. At T. Sebas Rocks says, Yes, because I've been a Yankee fan for decades and have never and will never give up on them. Fair enough. Fair enough. Up next, we have at NYY Sports Fan 96, and they say, Tampa Bay can still go on a run if the Yankees don't go on a big winning streak. I don't think they're going on a big run because of their remaining schedule. So I don't, I don't think they will go on a run necessarily. But and in that case, I don't think the Yankees really need a big winning streak. But listen, the Yankees, if they just take care of business for most of the rest of the schedule, then they'll be good. Because if they just keep winning, nobody else can do a damn thing about it. So next is original UYF nineteen fifty, and they say. If Yankees win on Sunday, they have just 21 games remaining and be up by five games over the Rays in the loss column. If the Yankees can go 11-10 and 10 in those remaining games, they'll finish the year 96-66. and 66. The Rays will have to go 19-5 and five in their remaining games. I like the Yankees' chances. Yeah, there's the math right there. I, I thought the prior comment saying 19 games was a little off. I thought they still had 20-plus. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's pretty obvious, which... uh which team's chances are better at that point, for sure. I totally agree with that. At Mike B underscore 923 says, Two things to keep in mind. One, we technically have a one-game lead larger than what we have now. And two, Toronto is red hot right behind Tampa, and the Yankees have a series with them soon, too. They're just as in the hunt as Tampa is. Yes. One of the comments I mentioned before saying this, and I totally agree with that. I have, I've had my eyes on Toronto the whole time. I have not let it slip. The Orioles, and especially the Red Sox, are a bit more back to say the least, even though the Orioles have definitely had their moments of impressing me for sure. But yeah, Toronto is definitely in the hunt, and the Yankees do have more games against them while the Yankees are done with the Rays in the regular season. That much is true, so good points for sure. At Yankee Ken says, it's hard to say. I'll go with yes. The Yankees do have a compromised roster, and the Rays have a tough schedule. Even when the injured Yankees come back, they might be rusty. The Yankees pitching has been really good, so that's keeping them going for now. Yeah, we mentioned that last week too, how the pitching has been on sort of an incline now, and then the offense took a dip when that started to happen. So it's just a matter of things not being able to really click at the exact same time. But... Yeah, for sure. Even with the compromised roster, especially these last couple of days, but for the most of this past week, they've still they've still been getting some wins. The Rays their tough schedule, yeah. You hope the guys aren't rusty when they come back. Definitely true. All good points. See how it ends up. I happen to agree with the vast majority of these replies so far. At Javian114 says, yes, I do. Okay, fair enough. 
Let's just do a few more. I've read a bunch. Um, at Big Blue 0923, and Big Blue actually reminds me, and I did actually see this, that the Giants have won their first game of the season. That's good, because I'm also a Giants fan, so I'll watch those highlights a bit later on. But anyway, at Big Blue 0923 says, I would like to say yes, but the lack of consistency with the level of play worries me. Well, like I said, the Yankees have been more consistent than anything as of the last month or two, and it's been consistently bad. But um, if you want to factor in the way they've looked the last couple of days in comparison to that, then yeah, then the last four days or so have been inconsistent. But I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I can't blame people for not really being able to say, yeah, it's locked up for sure. But I, I'm feeling good. I am. As of now, I'm feeling good. Let's do three more. Um... At Mark Plum 63 says, I think they're playing better, but I would love to keep seeing the rookies on the field. It will inevitably, when they get some of their reinforcements back, you're unfortunately going to see some of those people have to be sent back down because there's not going to be enough room for them. You know, for when guys like Rizzo and DJ come back, you're going to see a couple of guys demoted, naturally. And that's that's the way it goes. But some of them, yeah, I would definitely love to keep on seeing them get some shots here. Actually, speaking of roster moves, this literally just came out. Wow. This Yeah, this just dropped. So, Ben Rortvet was just optioned back down. Didn't even get to see him. <laughs> like I said before, despite him coming up for Trevino, we didn't get to see him. So, I guess Trevino's on his way off the paternity list for Tuesday. So, I guess that's what that means if I had to guess. So, just a little roster update for you just in the middle of recording just now. <laughs> but yeah, Mark, I definitely agree with that as... Some of them, or nearly all of them, or maybe even all of them, will inevitably get sent back down once a certain amount of guys get back. You know, Bader in the next week or so, week and a half, give or take. DJ and Rizzo come back, etc. A lot of, even the other pitchers, maybe. You're inevitably going to see a lot of them get sent back down, but I would love to see at least a couple of them stay. I love Oswaldo Cabrera. I love what I've seen from Oswald Peraza, even, but you're you're almost certainly going to see Oswald Peraza go back down. But I hope at least if that happens, you get Oswaldo Cabrera to stick around for at least a while. I've really come to like him. All right, last two as per usual. First up, my girlfriend at Vic Salimo, and Vic says, I say yes, because I'm hopeful and I feel there's potential. It's not guaranteed considering how inconsistent they've played of late, but it's certainly not impossible either. Yeah, that's agreeable. Yeah, like I said, you know, especially if you want to just talk about the last four days, and yeah, it's been inconsistent with the offense because four days ago and three days ago the offense was miserable and then the last two days they look like their first half selves (laughs) despite all the injuries so like I said I understand people being quite uncomfortable but I do respect it Vic you also being optimistic enough to say that that is basically a lock at that point because I am inclined to agree Last but certainly not least is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, and she says, contrary to my last week's response, this week I believe they'll keep their place in the division. The sparks of hope seem to flicker longer now than before, especially after the last two days. I'm frightened about how long they can go into the playoffs, but as of now, I'm confident with the division. I'm hoping that the team that kicked off the season for the first three months or so will continue to make their comeback and go into the playoffs, leading them to number 28. That's the goal, isn't it? Especially because it's all about getting hot at the right time and playing that way all the way through to the end, as Drago says, to the end. (laughs) 
So that's the goal, Mom, and I'm, I agree. And yeah, last week, I don't blame you for feeling uncomfortable because a lot of people were, including myself. I didn't say that division that the division's definitely going to be blown. I definitely didn't say that. But I was also feeling a little uneasy about it, as I think I had a right to, and everybody had a right to who was feeling that way. But certainly at this point, feeling a bit better about everything, even though this week was a bit of a mixed bag, as we've said, when it comes to news and gameplay and all of it. But you're certainly feeling better right now than we were last Sunday, if I had to say. So that's that, and that is very important. But with that being said, my friends, that is basically all for episode 154 of Yapping Yankees today. Please remember, if you don't already, to follow me on all social medias, my friends. Facebook fan page, Mike Scudero NY. Twitter, at Mike Scudero. And Instagram is MikeScuds97. Please also be sure to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on if you do not already. Those four, of course, are YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Leave a like below on YouTube if you're listening on there and just show your love on all the other three, all of them combined. Show your love everywhere like you always do such a good job at doing, my friends. And listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes as well if you've missed any. On YouTube, you could hear any of them from episode 34 up to episode 154 today. And you could hear every single episode going back to episode 1 on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Once again, I thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today. As always, my good people, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, September the 18th, when I come at you with episode 155 of Yapping Yankees as we get closer and closer again, hate to remind you, but to the end of the regular season for 2022. But until then, as always, hang in there. Be patient, stay safe, look out for your loved ones, and let's hope for less of a mixed bag of Yankees baseball this coming week, but all positive. Two games against Boston, hopefully they have a good series against Milwaukee next weekend, and we have a lot more positive things to discuss by then. Maybe we'll have Rizzo back by then, we'll be talking about more people being closer to coming back from injury, more reinforcements on the way. And prepare more and more for the end of the season as we approach mid-September. Alright guys, I'm out. As always, thank you for listening and thank you for all of your interaction on social media as well. You know I appreciate it. Have yourselves a kick-ass week and I will talk to you next Sunday. Take care.